What's up, everybody? Welcome back. With that intro, you know it means today is Friday, and as we do every Friday, uh, this is the wrap-up of the technology news of the week, at least the high notes. Um, tossing a little gaming stuff. There's been gaming, Microsoft, Apple, Google, all across the board. So let's just dive in. Apple has made a big splash this week by announcing a bunch of different hardware ahead of their what is expected to be a service-related event on Monday. And uh, they're going to be announcing what's going to be likely a news service where you're going to be able to bundle and pay for new subscription services. And then also video service bundles, although there's a bunch of reports of some services opting out. So it's going to be all eyes on who actually Apple was able to get signed up for these platforms to see if they're truly offering a differentiated service. But to clear the deck, because clearly Apple doesn't want anybody talking about anything else that day. Uh, they announced new iPads this week. We have the iPad, just kind of normal one, uh, and then the iPad mini, both getting faster chips and all that good stuff. If you're buying an iPad mini, it's probably likely worthwhile to grab the new one. But if you're buying the older one, um, you might you might want to just buy a, a last-gen model. While you do get a faster performance chip, if you're just like casually browsing, you can go grab the older, about, what is it, 10-inch display uh, for about 250 bucks. That's the last generation, which is really good. Unless you really want to be able to use the pencil, which Apple is now supporting on both the iPad mini and the newer iPad, uh, then, then you'll need the new one. Oddly enough, though, which you've probably already seen by now, is Apple's only supporting the last generation pencil with the new iPads, not the new pencil with the new iPads. You know, whatever. Um, the Apple's AirPower, which is their charging mat, which does Qi charging for up to, I think, three devices, still wasn't announced, although there's information showing up in iOS 12 beta that it looks like it might finally arrive. And then also this week where AirPods 2, if you've been holding out for that, you can now use uh, Hey Siri and a couple other new features. Um, pretty minor stuff, better battery life. So if your old ones are dying, then you can go spend that. Uh, it's 159 bucks if you want wireless charging with them. It's gonna be 200 bucks, which is, that's a lot of money for those little things. Um, and I, I use them too. I use them at the gym, but you're paying almost about a $50 premium to get wireless charging, or you can just go buy the wireless charging case for about 80 bucks, which eesh, I, I, that's, that one's the tough side on the Microsoft side, uh, windows defender advanced threat protection is now coming to the Mac. And if that doesn't make a lot of sense to you, it's Microsoft's virus and security protection suite, uh, primarily used in the enterprise. And it now works on Mac. I suspect that Linux and Android will, and iOS will natively be supported here in the near future. But officially, that's what's going on. Uh, Microsoft is killing OneDrive Music streaming Groove Music. So if you were a Groove Music user, and then they killed that streaming service, and now that you were just using it to stream music from OneDrive, that too is going away. So I don't really know what the point of the Groove Music app is uh, anymore at this point. And then Microsoft is also making their virtual desktop service. This is, again, an enterprise play, now available in public preview. This has been something Microsoft has been working on for a very long time. It allows you to virtualize desktop and app environments and then stream them to a device. Uh, it also includes support natively for Samsung DeX, which is uh, the it's, well, when you take a Samsung device, plug it into a larger monitor, you get a desktop-like experience that they call DeX, and uh, Windows Virtual Desktop now supports that out of the box. Uh, Microsoft is also making updates to Teams. They're including customized background, whiteboards, and my favorite, actually, live captioning for conversations. So if you're having a meeting, now you can get live captions, which makes you kind of raise the next question of uh, what are they gonna do translation services? They already have the technology. It seems like a natural evolution of everything that Microsoft has included in Teams. And then on 
uh, the Windows 7 front, the end of support notifications are now live and rolling out and annoying you, although you can turn them off with one click as long as your system remembers to do that. On the gaming side, because there was a lot of gaming news this week, there was the Game Developer Conference happening this week where Microsoft and Google and uh, some other companies were making announcements. One of the big things that's worth pointing out is Cuphead, which was a previously platform exclusive to the Xbox uh, family, is coming to the Nintendo Switch with Xbox Live integration. Now, Microsoft is saying that there is not plans publicly for an Xbox Live SDK for the Switch. We've been hearing a lot of rumors about this stuff. If you remember, I told you guys that, hey, Game Pass wasn't coming, um, at least not initially, it wasn't planned. I think this was probably the rumor that got that whole kind of ball rolling down the hill, if you will. But here we go, Cuphead is coming to the Switch, uh, supporting Xbox Live. So that's that's actually kind of a big deal. Uh, Phil Spencer, as I, I wrote up earlier this week in a nice little scoop, uh, Phil Spencer giving comments on Stadia. He said that they had some interesting technology at a high level, uh, specifically talking about their controller connecting natively to the Wi-Fi network to reduce latency. And he says that Google went big and at E3, Microsoft will go big too. I suspect that Phil is much more confident now after sending that, because he sent that email out. It didn't sound panicked at all. And he said it pretty much justifies the course that they have been on for the past couple of years. Uh, Microsoft also shared a few more details about xCloud at GDC yesterday, and I did a, a video up on that. But a couple things to note here, if you want more detail, go watch that video, but here's kind of what you need to know. Microsoft with xCloud is gonna support adaptive glass uh, configurations, controller input configurations. So if a developer takes advantage of it, what they can do is that the, 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 the controls that you see on your display when you're not using an Xbox controller can be adapted based on the game or the scenario. For imagine, if you're playing Halo and you're walking around on foot and you're using a weapon, you might need a different layout than when you're, say, you're driving a vehicle. So it can dynamically change that up. Uh, every Xbox game to date does natively support xCloud. Now, there is a little caveat here, which we haven't talked about too much, and that's licensing. Yeah, so the game natively supports it, but Microsoft has to get permission to stream it because when they, these games were built, especially some of the really older games, streaming wasn't even a thing on the radar, and so Microsoft doesn't always have the necessary game licenses from everybody they need to stream things. It's, it's a very much a legal barrier or hurdle. It's not a techno technology one but you have to have the rights to be able to stream games. They previously had the rights to put it on a disc and put it on a console or put it on a PC, but streaming is a different thing. So we got to keep our eyes appealed for that. The other thing that Microsoft said is that they're making it very easy for developers to integrate CloudAware, which is what they call um, the, the, the suite of technologies for xCloud games to know what device you're running on. Because you can imagine you're going to want a different layout or design if you're running it on a large tablet versus a small screen. So CloudAware enables that. Then they have this touch adaption kit, uh, which is again, the on-face controls, because out of the box, if the developer does nothing and just says, we're not gonna support our game, it's too old or whatever, but you can stream it, Microsoft has a default kind of skin or controller input mechanism for the display, but it has a lot of buttons because it has to have everything. So developers can do customized uh, display layouts for on glass. Now, the cool thing is, is if they're using CloudAware and everything else, it will actually know when you are using an Xbox controller. So if you're using an Xbox controller with your phone or whatever, none of that crap will display because you don't need it. You've already got a controller. So 
That's kind of what Microsoft talked about at GDC. We'll obviously learn a lot more at E3. Uh, coming to Game Pass, we have Mankind Divided and What Remains of Edith Finch on March 21st. And then on the 28th, The Walking Dead is coming. Uh, the 29th, Opera Cena, The Stolen Sun. And on April 1st, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite is rolling out. Uh, that's all coming to Game Pass, Microsoft trying to beef up that service as much as possible. Obviously ahead of potentially streaming service, which everyone believes, myself included, that Game Pass is going to be an integral part of that solution because day one, if they have all the rights and all that good stuff, which I would imagine they would on the Game Pass side, uh, it's just going to be 100 games day one. So there you go. And then on the Google side, can't ignore Stadia was announced. This was Google's game streaming platform. Uh, they were trying to drive up hype for their platform because they're using a very heavily integrated uh, YouTube feature set, which I think is a smart move for Google. Obviously, YouTube is has a massive gaming audience, and they're going to use that to try to take that sales funnel or that user funnel and direct them over to Stadia. Will it work? We'll find out. It's all going to come down to games and intellectual property and performance, but Google definitely has what we refer to as top of the sales funnel in place. Now it's just, can they execute on everything else to get people to sign up and start paying? And also more importantly, get game developers over to the platform. So that's a real quick, quick wrap up of some of the, the news of the week. Every week I do a Q&A. I post that up on Therat.com and uh, let's just dive into the questions this week. Always my favorite part because it keeps me on my toes. Tourniquet says, Andromeda was supposed to be the spiritual successor to Windows Phone. Now it seems Andromeda is dead. Is there any chance at all that Microsoft is going to put Santorini on a phone, pocketable kind of device, or is that form factor really dead in the world of Windows for good? So here's what I know about Andromeda. It's not dead per se. It just doesn't really have a release date. Like people still work on this stuff because they're also working on a product called Centaurus, which is a larger form of Andromeda. I don't quite know if it's pocketable, but that device is the same family uh, of like foldable, flappy, foldable phone thingies. Uh, very technical terms, very technical terms there. So is Microsoft going to make a phone-like device with, I, I don't know, that, that is a good question because Andromeda would be in your, do I agree, the spiritual successor to Windows Phone, but I don't know. Now, would they put Santorini uh, on it. Now, for those who don't know, Santorini is Windows Lite. If you don't know what Windows Lite is, you can Google it, or there's another video on this channel that explains it, um, but it's sort of a, a lightweight-ish version of Windows. I don't know, because Sant Santorini doesn't necessarily fit, at least not that I, from what I've understood, and I don't mean from a UI perspective, I mean from the LTE potential capabilities, but that might not even be accurate now that I think about it. It's got to support LTE. It'd be, it'd be nuts for them not to. So, could it, is it possible? Absolutely. Do I know explicitly if they are bringing a Windows Lite-sized device that's going to fit into your pocket? That I don't know. Everything I've heard about Windows Lite so far is for larger form factors, at least for the initial hardware. Uh, Mr. PKI says, what games would you desire to play on streaming xCloud or Stadia? And which would be console only? So this is an interesting question because here's the thing. Here's, here's why this is interesting, is who is the target demographic for these xCloud and game streaming services. Hardcore gamers, or even just traditional console gamers like myself, I'm more than likely still gonna go out and play, a, buy one of these boxes, just because I find it very hard to believe, at least initially, that you will get a better performance streaming from the cloud than you will with localized hardware. It's, there's, there's physics in the way of making streaming better than local hardware. 
So to, to answer that question, I don't have a great answer candidly, which is why it brings up the question of who is targeted for xCloud. I believe the target market, at least it makes sense to me, are going to be the non-traditional gamers up front, maybe people who want to play some casual games uh, on the Xbox side, but not actually buy the hardware. It's almost like a, I don't like to use the term loss leader here, but that's kind of what it is though, because this is an easier way. It reduces the hundred, couple hundred dollar barrier that is required with a console to get into gaming. And with, with Stadia, Stadia, I keep holding it Stadia, but Stadia, and xCloud and whatever Amazon comes up with and, and Sony, it's removing that barrier. So who, what games would I want to play? Honestly, probably the only one I'd probably want to play would be Apex Legends when I'm traveling because I'm not traveling with an Xbox. But even then, I typically don't have a lot of time to play. So I don't have a good answer for that one. I'd be curious to know what games you guys would want to play on, on these types of services because, again, if you're already playing them at home, I, I don't see you dumping your console for the browser. It's, I think it's gonna be targeting at people who are traditionally not gamers, getting them into the platform. Uh, DJ in Canada says, Microsoft Planner integration with Microsoft To Do, when will this happen? I have no idea. Um, I don't hear a lot about Planner anymore. I know a lot of people will use it, but um, Microsoft's putting a lot of effort into Do, but I have not, I've not heard anything specifically. Greg Edwards says, what's happening with multi-user support on the Harman Kardon Invoke? Uh-oh. After appearing for a few months ago in Cortana beta app on iOS, the setting has eventually been removed from the newer builds. Are they still planning to ship this feature eventually? This is a wonderful question because it did show up. This is something I'm probably gonna try to maybe dig about and see if anybody knows. The problem is finding someone who might know rather than just doing a generic um, tweet about it. But I, I have not heard anything explicitly other than the fact that Microsoft is moving away from these things. That's a Harman Kardon invoke for those who aren't familiar, right behind my big head. Um, yeah, that's a good question because it, it was sounded like it was coming, but here we are. Uh, and that's a, a feature that every other platform pretty much has. Uh, Staller says, uh, some xCloud and Microsoft gaming questions. Uh, with Google announcing their game service, it uses Chrome as a method of delivering content to the customer. Will Microsoft, with Microsoft changing the rendering engine and underlying tech of Edge to a Chromium-based solution, do you, do you think that Microsoft will take a similar route delivering xCloud content using Chrome and Edge Chromium as their dumb client for mass streaming, or do you think they'll make a rich client app or maybe a combo of both? This is a very good question because we don't know yet. I do believe they could realistically stream it right through the browser, much like Google is doing. It would not surprise me, though, to see Microsoft use their Xbox-branded application on Windows and on mobile devices. The reason why I say that is Microsoft has put a lot of effort into those applications. These things are all going to be branded Xbox. Remember, it's even called xCloud. So... I, I honestly think that it might be a combination of both that you could probably access it through a browser, but I bet they're going to try to weasel you into the Xbox application because then it's easier to upsell things like Game Pass and Xbox Live and all that good stuff. And then gaming product question says, uh, Microsoft makes their money from creating technology and software, bundling them as a product and service, and then selling them. He's absolutely right. While Microsoft is going, while Microsoft is going to resell the downtime of xCloud GPUs, as runtime Azure clients, that is exactly right as well. He says, do you see Microsoft creating a white labeled service based on xCloud Blades and GameStack? Yeah, I do. I, I, I would absolutely bet that if EA or one of these other large companies came to Microsoft and said, hey, can we 
Can we build a game streaming service on Azure just like you have with xCloud? I absolutely bet you Microsoft would let them uh, and help them because Microsoft's going to make a lot of money from that. And so that is more important than being, no, you can't use our technology platform to because we're selling xCloud. Microsoft doesn't typically play like that. So if, a, if EA or any of these other companies wanted to build a streaming platform using xCloud technology, I'd absolutely bet you that Microsoft would allow them to do it. It would be kind of crazy for them not to. And I honestly think that Nintendo might be a client that would do this. Microsoft and Nintendo are clearly working closer together with Cuphead and Xbox Live on the Switch and all that good stuff. It, again, I, I said this a couple weeks ago, it would not surprise me if Nintendo starts adopting more of Microsoft's online platform services because it would make Nintendo's life a lot easier and give them a much, much, much better product. So, and then the last question comes from Yoshi. He says, a few questions all tied together. Uh, is there still value, good question, in purchasing in the S and X consoles? Yeah, there is definite value. I, I did a video about this if I thought you should buy an Xbox One X, and ultimately I think you should. It, even if all this stuff ships perfectly on time, and we're talking a year from October, you still have roughly 18-ish months of good quality gaming ahead of you. Now, if you were going to buy an S, I would tell you to wait until uh, May 7th, I believe, when the Maverick console, which is going to be a version of the S without the disk drive, unless you need the disk drive, then ignore this, and wait until that console comes out because it will actually be even cheaper. Um, I, I still use this thing all the time. Like it, People are under the impression that the Xbox One S has some sort of crappy uh, resolution or something like that. It, it's still a great gaming console, and you can get it for under 200 bucks. It's a pretty good value, and it's only going to get better with Maverick. So... it. it if you're not a gamer and you just kind of want to play around, then maybe it's worth waiting. I don't know. But I get, But at the same time, if you're not a gamer and it's worth playing around, I mean, these things are under 200 bucks most of the time. That's the cheapest way to figure out if you're going to like this stuff. So I personally think it's still worth buying because it's, I'm under the impression that we're going to see a lot of backwards and forwards compatibility between the, the next gen and the current gen. And so you've got 18 months of gaming. So if you, if you don't want a console game for the next 18 months, then, yeah, don't buy one. But if you want to play on a console, then, yeah, buy one. I mean, it's 18 months is a long time. That is a long time. And then he says, do you anticipate that the xCloud platform will function for many years on the current consoles? I do believe so because, again, it's just, it's just streaming down. There's not a lot. There is local compute going on but not nearly as much as a, a native console game. So all they need is they can turn these things probably more than likely into xCloud thin clients very, very easily. So I, I do fully expect that. So, all right, guys, that wraps it up for this week. As always, appreciate everybody tuning in. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend, and we'll be back here uh, next week. Have a good one.